Namaste, Namaskaram, Vanakam, Namo Namaha. Jai Ganesh. Please subscribe and visit our website at classicalyoga.org. Obviously, there was a time hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, when people living in their respective places around the world were pretty much the same. Ethnicity, cultural practices, and religious spiritual practices, if you will. But today's world is obviously very different, very cosmopolitan. Therefore, it's wise to understand perhaps the difference between a country, an ethnicity, and a religious spiritual tradition. When it comes to the Hindu yoga dharma, Hinduism, the Hindu religion, there is even today some confusion over what it means to be a Hindu. Remember that the word Hindu, Hindu was about the origin, the place, and thus it became the people and their practices. Thus the Hindus or the Hindus. So yes, Hindu-Hindu was a geographical designation, but it was much more than that. It became also the people and their practices. Actually, the word Hindu, Indus, um, goes from the cosmos to the earth and beyond. There's a constellation called Indus. There is the Indus River Valley. There are the Hindu or the Hindu people and their religious traditions. The very constitution of India recognizes that Hindu is the religion. India is obviously the country. Some also refer to it as Bharat. And Indian is the ethnicity. Actually, the word Hindu or Hindu, and they're not two different words. They're just a different pronunciation. The word Hindu has a beautiful meaning, Chandra Sarid Bindu Soma. Moon, river, drop, which refers to the bindu, the third eye point, and soma, the nectar, the amritam, the ananda. Beautiful term. And in this term, we can also see the subsequent deities and sects of the Hindu yoga dharma. Chandra, the moon, obviously associated with Siva, Shiva. Sarid, generally for the feminine, the matas, that would be Shaktiism, Chandra Shiva Saivism. And the Bindu or the red dot, one could look at as the rising sun, so to speak, Surya or Vaishnavism. Soma, the Amritam of the Ananda, is the soul within. So this is a beautiful, all-encompassing term for what it means to be an Hindu. Hindu. And remember, since Hinduism or Hindu dharma is a religion, anyone can become a Hindu. Of course, this would require lengthy study and formal commitment, and truly every Hindu should have a Sanskrit Tamil Hindu name. It is a sad fact that for thousands of years, India and by extension, the Indians, and relevantly, the Hindus, this land, these people, have been invaded and pilfered from. And remember, invaders don't invade a poor country. 
The land of India was rich in gems, in spices, textiles, and profound philosophies. What we see today is obviously the outcome of thousands of years of invasions and thefts, which are ongoing in the theft of the once sacred Hindu teachings and practices of yoga. Why have the Hindus allowed these invasions, these distortions? Indian Hindu author O.P. Gupta, who was, I believe, a former ambassador to Finland, who wrote a book, Vedic Equality in Hinduism, also wrote a paper entitled, Hindus Suffer from Gas. And he wasn't talking about too much chana and marsala. Religious life should be fun. We can have fun with it, but also take it very seriously. He used gas as an acronym, G. A-S-S. And remember, this is an Indian Hindu from India. Of course, there are many combinations of that today. So O.P. Gupta stated that his fellow Hindus suffered from, genetically acquired, slavery syndrome. Or we could add genetically acquired selfish or self-centered syndrome when it comes to the dharma. Why have Hindus historically capitulated to the invaders? Were they and are they not confident in the grandeur of their own Hindu yoga dharma? Why are so many, quote, Hindus, unquote, willfully ignorant of their own dharma? Why are many very uncomfortable with even calling theirself a Hindu. Remember, there is and can be a difference between coming from India, being an Indian, and being a Hindu, obviously. Not all people living in India are Indians. Not all Indians are Hindus. We have Muslim Indians. We have Indians that have no religion. We have even Jewish Indians. We have Buddhist Indians. And of course, there are many Indians who have never even been to India. Those born perhaps in Trinidad or Fiji, for example. And there are many who are not Indian by ethnicity, but still Hindus. Because remember, in the realm of religion and spirituality, this is about the soul. To not realize that Despite one's outer appearance, one can be attracted to what perhaps seems like a foreign religion is to not understand, as Hindus, the very meaning of tat tvam asi, that thou art. We are the atmana, the soul. And this soul can take on any physical body that it needs to complete its incarnations. It can be born in any country that it needs to complete its incarnations. Therefore, we have many Hindu souls that are living in, quote, white, unquote, bodies. And conversely, we also have many Indians who do not feel at all attracted to 
the Hindu yoga dharma, even though they may have been raised within a Hindu family. It is the soul and what the soul needs to go through any one incarnation. Often converts are the lifeblood of any religion. They pump new energy into any religion. And certainly one does not want to be an inno in anything, an in-name-only person. So if we are born perhaps in an Indian body, in a Hindu family, and we feel no affinity for the Hindu dharma, well, then perhaps that's not the dharma for us. We don't want to be a Hindu. We don't want to be a Hindu in name only. Each one of us must do an inner search and find out the religious spiritual path that is comfortable for us. But one cannot also just simply say they are a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Jew or a Christian. This involves a serious study and commitment. It seems to be the fact that many Indian Hindus have a problem when it comes to asserting their self as a Hindu. Many have no problem asserting themselves according to their profession, etc. But when it comes to being a Hindu, many are shy at best of proclaiming, I am a Hindu. One of our devotees, when she was young, 13, came up with a beautiful poem that should be inspiring to all of us as Hindus. I've got a dot on my head, and it's really, really red. It's a bindu because I'm a Hindu, and I'm proud to be a Hindu. What about you? And I do yoga because it's Hindu. Karma bhakti raja is too. Hathayana, it's all Hindu. It's all yoga. It's not boga. Perhaps many Hindus have completely misinterpreted what the principle of ahimsa is. Ahimsa does not mean that one simply lets others walk all over them when it comes to the dharma. And with a little reflection, Hindus would not put up with this in other areas of their life. When it comes to finances, they would certainly put up a fight. Of course, ahimsa means that we don't initiate violence, but it does not mean that we cannot be lovingly firm and stand up and speak up for our Hindu dharma. Of course, this requires that we first learn. And interestingly, many of those born in India as Hindus actually have more Christian education than many in the West. They've gone to Christian schools, Catholic schools. They come to the West and go to Western universities. And they often know more by osmosis about the Christian religion than they do about their own Hindu dharma. While conversely, there are many in so-called white bodies that have no attraction to the Christian religion at all and know much more about the Hindu dharma than many of the born Hindus. Another insidious reason why many Hindus are afraid to speak up and say that they are Hindus, they are actually suffering from what we could call a fundamentalist, universalist mindset. Many of these people erroneous believe that the Hindu dharma, often they'll just say Sanatan dharma, a much later term actually, is the universal religion, the religion from which all others came. Therefore, they see no need 
to criticize those of another religion or even state that they are Hindus because everything is a manifestation of Hinduism. This is the fundamentalist universalist mindset. Actually, the very meaning of the word Catholic is universal, as they believe that their religion, Catholicism especially, is the universal, true, one religion. Many of the famous or infamous Indian guys, and what else can we say, because they don't want to be called Hindus theirself. Many of these popular gurus, if you will, who have been in India and come to the West or just remained in India, have gathered huge followings by completely negating the word Hindu and making what they do, generally using the word yoga, as the universal practice for everyone. It is these so-called gurus, because a guru is a Hindu teacher of a high order, that are responsible for much of the distortion of the Hindu yoga dharma and creating teachers who obviously have no affiliation with the Hindu dharma. They keep their Western names. Many don't even realize that yoga has anything to do with Hindu dharma, hard as that is to believe. Now, in life, there is negative gas, poisonous gas, carbon monoxide. But there's also positive healthy gas, O2, oxygen. So, O.P. Gupta's gas, G-A-S-S, genetically acquired slavery syndrome, is obviously a noxious, a poisonous gas to the Hindus and to the Hindu yoga dharma. So what do we do? Well, stand up, be proud to be a Hindu and get rid of the poisonous gas and take on good gas. Now, using the same acronym, G-A-S-S, Guru, Ashram, Shastras, Sadhana. Now, lest you think that we're out trolling for chelas or disciples, and nothing could be further from the truth. And remember that in ancient times, Vedic times, the guru-chela-shishi relationship was very serious, very intense. It was not this mass movement hysteria that we see today. It was basically guru and one or two chelas. So in life, we all need teachers. Our parents are our first teachers. We go on to have scholastic teachers, or we have employers, we have religious teachers. Every teacher has a place where they teach, be it the home or the school or the religious sanctuary, the office. Every teacher gives forth their teachings. And then it is up to the student, if you will, to be self-motivated and do their own work. This is the formula for life. Respecting our teachers, respecting the place where they teach, respecting the teachings, and doing our own work. Simply look at a child and the parent, the child that respects their parent, respects the home, respects the rules that the parents set out, and then does their own chores, is self-motivated. This creates a harmonious family. Just think of the opposite, and you'll clearly see what can happen when we don't respect our teachers, we don't respect where they teach, 
home, the school, for example, if we don't respect the teachings, and if we don't do our homework, that's a recipe for failure. Now, Hinduism is one of the oldest religions of the world. It's really not the oldest. Who knows that? For example, if we look at the aboriginals from Australia, they date their culture and what we could say their religious spiritual traditions back 40,000 years. So we want to get over this that we're the oldest or the greatest. We are a way for those who choose it. Now, even though Hindu dharma is one of the oldest religions of the world and certainly much older than the monotheistic religions, they far exceed Hindu dharma in numbers. Christianity, actually the youngest religion of the world, besides Baha'i, is actually the, the largest religion of the world. Why is this so? Let's look at this positive gas formula. The Christians, for the most part, they respect their ministers and their priests. They respect where they teach. They go. Every Sunday, our Catholic church around the corner is absolutely full. They respect the teachings. They study their Bible. And they're thus doing their own homework, their own disciplines. This is why they're successful. This shouldn't be a mystery. So for the Hindu yoga dharma to be successful, we need also to respect our teachers. And of course, there are bad apples in every institution, be it teachers, police, politicians. We don't get rid of the system. We just get rid of the bad actors. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So if we respect the teachers and the place where they teach and study, and do our own personal disciplines, we will be successful. Now, it just so happens that in the Hindu yoga dharma, we basically call our Hindu teachers gurus. The gurus teach in ashrams, and our teachings are called shastras, and one of the words for our practices is sadhana, abiding in giving, the truth of giving, sadhana giving to yourself, giving to your friends and family, to the world at large by doing sadhana. So we can take what O.P. Gupta clearly point out is a problem, genetically acquired slavery syndrome, selfish syndrome, self-centered syndrome when it comes to the dharma. Get rid of this noxious poisonous gas that has infected the Hindu yoga dharma for thousands of years. And bring on board O2, good gas, oxygen. Respect the gurus, respect the ashrams, study the shastras, and do your own sadhanas. It's up to us, fellow Hindus, to be a united Hindu family and work for a renaissance of the Hindu yoga dharma. Jai Ganesh.